Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about one of the most absurd ways you could possibly think of to power your house. With some help from Randall Monroe, the creator of the popular geek webcomic XKCD. You'll also learn about the surprising reasons why hourglass figures are considered attractive and the scientific reason why clowns creep us out. Let's satisfy some curiosity. If you had to power your house and you had these two options, which would you choose? The first option, solar power. The second option, destroying the fabric of space-time. Wait, what? Yeah, so it turns out that's an idea explored in a book by Randall Monroe, creator of the amazingly popular and funny geeky webcomic XKCD. In his new book, How To, Absurd Scientific Advice for Common Real-World Problems, he explores the science behind wildly impractical advice for everything from landing a plane to digging a hole. And here's Randall on something that definitely got our attention. How to power your house by destroying the fabric of space-time. I think in, in some kind of objective sense, that might be the literal, the, the worst idea in my entire book. Because I was looking at all the different sources of power that are available to a house and taking this problem as a chance to try to compare them and say, like, how much wind is flowing through the average parcel of land? If all of the, you know, oil and coal were divided up evenly, how much would be under each acre? How much solar power is there? And, and try to compare these things numerically because you sort of measure them all in the same units and say, you know, how much of each one is there? And then I looked at a few uh, less practical sources of power, including uh, tectonic plate movement. But I think the worst idea was... I understood that under some theories of physics, all of space is in kind of an unstable state. It's like a puddle that froze, but then the water underneath drained away. And it's, so it's still sitting there. But in principle, if you jolt it the right way or the right random quantum thing happens, it could decay into a lower energy state, like the glass, you know, the, the ice breaking over a, uh, where there used to be a puddle. And so this thing called vacuum decay would, in theory, release a bunch of this latent energy. So I reached out to the cosmologist uh, and astrophysicist, uh, Dr. Katie Mack, who's uh, on Twitter as Astro Katie, and, uh, is, and asked her if I, if I could trigger vacuum decay, how much power would it release from my house? And her answer was, please do not do that. Um, <laughs> and then she you know, said that, yeah, we think this, that vacuum decay will happen. And in fact, under our, our current theories, is pretty much inevitable. And it would release a lot of energy but it would do it by creating a bubble of space-time that's expanding at the speed of light uh, surrounded by huge amounts of radiation, which would uh, destroy the particles in your house themselves uh, and you, and then cause space to collapse and the universe to collapse. But it would release some power, so... <laughs> yes. Yeah, so on that measure, fossil fuels are a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, they both, they both have uh, uh, consequences later on, but power right now... <laughs> Hey, we've had Katie Mack on our show before. Hi, Katie. Again, Randall Monroe's new book is How To, Absurd Scientific Advice for Common Real-World Problems. You can find links to that in today's show notes and definitely check out xkcd.com. It's just so good. It really is. Have you ever heard that a woman with an hourglass figure is more attractive because of evolution? You know, that low waist to hip ratio that we've seen throughout history from Venus to Milo to Marilyn Monroe to Nicki Minaj? Well, it turns out that some of the most popular theories as to why this is are less than reliable. And while it's true that the quote-unquote ideal waist-to-hip ratio has changed very little throughout time, the reason is not what you've heard. 
That's according to Dr. Jean Beauvais of Stony Brook University, who released a review this year in Frontiers in Psychology. She gathered up all the evolutionary hypotheses about men's preferences for a particular waist-to-hip ratio and actually drilled into the evidence for each one of them. What she found was surprising. Some of the most popular hypotheses stand on shaky evidence, while some of the best evidence supports some of the least known theories. If you've ever heard an explanation for why a low waist-to-hip ratio is considered attractive, it probably had something to do with the woman's health or her ability to have healthy children. In fact, the idea that a waist-to-hip ratio is a sign of a woman's health was in a whopping 87% of the papers Beauvais examined, and the ability to have healthy children was in 54% of them. But when it comes to actual evidence, both of these ideas are lacking. The problem with the health hypothesis is that most studies linking health problems with a high waist-to-hip ratio involve older people, who wouldn't be having babies anyway, and people with obesity, which is a modern health issue that wouldn't have affected our ancestors. And when you remove the effects of age or obesity, it's not clear that having a low ratio gives a woman a better shot at healthy offspring. But like I said before, some lesser-known theories are surprisingly convincing. One of them basically says that a lower ratio means the mother will have a smarter kid. That's because a low ratio is associated with more fat around the hips and less around the stomach. And there's evidence that a woman's body specifically reserves hip fat for pregnancy when it uses it to nourish the developing fetus. This fat is especially useful for building a healthy brain, as there's some evidence that children of mothers with lower waist-to-hip ratios achieve higher cognitive test scores. There are other theories with good evidence bases, too, like the fact that a low ratio is a sign that a mate is probably female, of childbearing age, and not currently pregnant. In the end, the reason people find the figures of Kim Kardashian and Jessica Rabbit so pleasing probably comes down to a lot of things, and not all of them they're consciously aware of. Beauvais writes that waist-to-hip ratio is, quote, a useful and practical visual trait aggregating the information that a potential mate might not even know is associated with an increase in his own reproductive success, unquote. Or as Sir Mixalot would say, itty-bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. That's, that's the poetry of our time. You did that from memory. Oh, I, I can do a <laughs> lot of that from memory. <laughs> We'll have to save that for a bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> Research shows that there are scientific reasons why some people find clowns super creepy. And with the new Joker movie coming out this week, we thought we'd get into that very science. But first, clowns get a bad rap. I am friends with a clown. I actually worked with a trained clown at a last startup I worked at for a couple years. There are clown schools in Chicago. You learn to do a lot of stuff from juggling to a lot of physical comedy. I mean, really, clowns come from a very long tradition of physical comedy. So, you know, my boyfriend's a clown. Oh, is he a trained he's clown? Tra- he's a trained clown. Yeah. Right. So exactly. he, jugg- he juggles and he does all that stuff. And apparently there are three different types of clowns. It's a very serious tradition. Yeah, so we're not trying to knock on clowns. Have respect for clowns. But with all that out of the way, clowns do creep some people out. And here's why. As reported by The Conversation, back in 2016, researchers conducted an empirical study into the nature of creepiness. The hunch was that feeling creeped out might have something to do with ambiguity, about not really being sure how to react to a person or situation. To test this hypothesis... Researchers recruited more than 1,300 volunteers ranging in age from 18 to 77 to fill out an online survey listing behaviors, occupations, and overall demeanors that they considered to be creepy. 
The results indicated that people we see as creepy are much more likely to be males than females, and that unpredictability is an important component of creepiness. It also suggested that unusual patterns of eye contact and other nonverbal behaviors set off our creepiness detectors big time. Sound familiar? And when researchers asked people to rate the creepiness of different occupations, the one that rose to the top of that creep list was, you guessed it, clowns. This is perfectly consistent with the hypothesis that it is the inherent ambiguity surrounding clowns that makes them creepy. The unusual physical characteristics of the clown, like the red nose and makeup, and the fact that a disguise conceals their true identity only magnify the uncertainty of what that clown might do next. It looks like it could be evolution we have to thank for our own clown phobias. Our reactions could be adaptive, with that creeped-out feeling being a way to stay alert during an ambiguous situation that could be dangerous. And if a clown is parading around in a purple suit in, say, Gotham City, chances are that situation is definitely dangerous. And now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that you may be able to power your home by destroying the universe. Please don't do that. And that the traditional hourglass figure is attractive for lots of reasons, but probably not because of a sign of good health or her ability to have healthy children. Probably. And that some people find clowns creepy because they're unpredictable and ambiguous. And avoiding unpredictable and ambiguous people is probably how our ancestors survived in the first place. Can you say it really seriously? Why? Just do it. Avoiding unpredictable and ambiguous people is probably how our ancestors survived in the first place. Why so serious? <laughs> oh my God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. 